0: the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hey, Rachel, it's
1: Taylor. And you guys are listening to the Hunting for Purpose podcast with Taylor V. This episode, I have a very um, special treat. And what you'll see over the next couple episodes is that, or at least the ones that I host, is that I will be chatting with the co-facilitators in Manifestor Mastery and full disclosure, you know, of course there's going to be around three and we'll talk about that. This is not, these are not launch episodes, just to be clear, but I think it's super important that you all have an opportunity to get to know us outside of the program. And so I wanted to make sure that I talked with each one of them and that you got to hear kind of their perspective as I won three through their design and through their life. And so, let's just pretend I'm putting Rachel on a pedestal and for the next 20 minutes, we're just going to explore as much as she'll allow us to. So Rachel,
2: introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit
1: before I start digging.
2: Yeah. So I'm Rachel. I'm a 2-5 emotional manifester. I live here in the UK. Um, I spend most of my time In the human design world, teaching human design, I'm also a yoga teacher, and holistic wellness coach. So I really use human design as the base of pretty much everything I do. And I think it's just something that's completely changed my life, like, for the better. And I'm so passionate about it. And I just, like, cannot stop talking about it to everyone all the time. Like, I'm the kind of person that, like, goes out for dinner with friends. And I'm, like, genetic matrix, pulls up your chart, like... (laughs) And especially like my boyfriend's friends, they're like, who is this girl? And I'm like, it's fine. Like you'll, <laughs> be you'll okay. learn to love it. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah.
1: Don't worry. <laughs> I've got time for you to love this because we're going to dig in. <laughs> yeah.
2: That's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Okay.
2: So tell me how you stumbled into it. How yeah. So it? I think I've been in like in human design probably about like five years. So it's been a really long time. I think I stumbled into it in kind of like the Jenna Zoe world back in like 2016. Nice. Um And my first experience actually was like, I ran my chart, it pulled out that I'm a manifestor. I started listening to like, you know, the raw talking through what manifestors were. And I was like, no way, like no way am I special enough? No way am I powerful enough to be a manifestor? Like absolutely not. Closed it down and then carried like, just carried on with my life. Um, And probably like six months later, it came back Mm -hmm. and I ran my chart again. And lo and behold, my birth data had not changed. So I got the (laughs) same chart and i think i was just in a different place then i was like okay like maybe i can look into this and i think just learning to really connect with that idea that i was very powerful and that i could create the things that i wanted and life did get to be about me you know yeah. as a manifestor and kind of it was this really beautiful kind of synthesis of like the way i'd always felt about myself but how the outside world had like told me something completely different and mm-hmm. i got to like bring those two sides of my world together and really like create from that space rather than let it control me.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think my experience was similar, although more recent, a couple of years ago, I heard it kind of going like wildfire through a coaching community that I'm in. And everyone was like, well, I'm a manifester and I'm a manifestor generator and I'm a done And I was like, well, whatever is one of the more rare ones, that's probably what I am because I'm not the kind of person who would be doing what y'all are doing. And that was kind of like my own ego trip with it is like, I know I'm different and whatever it is that has y'all love in it is probably not going to be for me. And it was the exact opposite. I found out I was a manifester and I was like, okay, I need to know everything. Like absolutely everything. And maybe that's the one three, right? Like you got to like, take me back to the beginning. And I think now, after kind of encountering what I feel like in Manifestor Mastery is like this foundational experience for manifestors. Now I'm now I feel secure enough, even to like or have felt secure enough to go into the other spaces, like the official documents and the official audios, and actually listen with a new ear. Um, so I think it's I think it's interesting how you know some people go through teachers of human design first to kind of get back to like the core intentions behind human design.
2: And some people start at the intention
1: and then kind of become a teacher, I guess. So I don't know. It's interesting.
2: Yeah. I'm not sure exactly kind of like which way it went. Like I know obviously it started with listening to Ra and like being able to one, just decipher what Ra's talking about at the beginning Mm -hmm. can just be a lot like for your Mm -hmm. brain but i think i just took those very simple things like you know informing or what i like to say is like just using my mouth and waiting time to make decisions so i just took those two really simple things yeah and i saw that like when i either ask for what i want or tell people what i want i would get it so freaking quickly i was like wow it's that simple like yeah. how had i gone like 26 years before figuring out that's how i get what i want right so, you know and it, like it makes perfect sense now but even when we work with and speak to like new manifestors, like that's not a natural thing for us to do just to ask and tell people what we want. And yeah, even I now I find myself like frustrated and angry about things. And then I just go tell someone or the internet, or whatever it is, and things just happen. And I'm like, even now, like five years on, I still forget how simple it is to just use my voice and ask what I want.
1: Yeah. So good. That I'm literally keeping a little uh, record right now of little things that are happening very quickly because I want to kind of dismantle this belief that things take a long time and that time is just you know a resource that we use or you know at our disposal or whatever. And so I'm in the practice of it right now, like saying something and and expecting a return and measuring it, kind of like some people like want their money to grow, but they never want to look at their bank account. It's like how would you even know? like how would you know so same thing I uh, you know as we're talking one of the things that's coming up for me is like I want to know how you would describe being a conscious line too because you know there's harmonic and unharmonic if you want to say like that um profiles and the one three in my opinion just does not get the two five experience very much At least that's me personally. I feel like that feels the the furthest kind of maybe like in planets the furthest from where I am, so it it feels like the hardest. So you tell me, what is it like being a conscious line too? What's your experience like?
2: I mean, I yeah, it's tough. I think I think all profiles are tough, Mm. but I think like really leaning into being a second line in the society that we live in is really difficult Mm. because one you do just want to spend a lot of time by yourself doing your own thing which isn't an opportunity that's you know facilitated for a lot of people in mm. most areas of their lives but then also the things that you're here to share and the things that you're really good at like you don't have to try very hard mm. and being able to recognize the value in something that comes really naturally to you is really difficult mm. um and I think as I've kind of moved through life, like things have just been, everything's just been like, fine. Like, I'm like, I can figure anything out all summer two five. So that part of that's that, but it's like, I've just been naturally, you know, good enough at so many things that figuring out what is actually like my purpose and the thing I'm here to do has been really difficult. Mm. And then with the second line, like you experienced the call as well. So like, I'm just living my own life, like doing my own thing. And I've always... I'm creating something or learning something or making something. And most of the time I it just doing it for myself. And then people really do look from the outside and be like, oh my God, you're so good at that. Or you should share this or you should create this or you should teach this. Mm -hmm. And then being able to decipher as a second line, which of those things are just for you and that you get to share. Mm -hmm. And which things are you, I mean, that you get to keep. And which things are you here to teach and to sell and to share. And that can be really difficult to figure Mm. out your way through those things.
1: Yeah. What, what impact do you think being an unconscious line five has in that experience? Like, have you noticed a difference between like a two, four versus a two, five in that?
2: Absolutely. So I have a lot of two fours in my life and I, I just love fourth lines. Like I could watch you guys all day, just (laughs) network around and just like creating your little networks and your little opportunities. And oh my God, it's just like, I love my fourth lines because I feel like they make my life just easier. Um, <laughs> but I think being a fifth line and the thing with the the second and the fifth being harmonic is they're both living in these projection fields, right? Mm-hmm. So the second line has something that they're projecting out and they're waiting for somebody to call it out so you can share it. And then the fifth line, you have a projecting in on you. So it's this constant like push and pull of, is this my projection? Is this a projection that I want to share? Or like, is this someone else's projection that they're kind of forcing onto me? Mm. And really learning about that fifth line for me has been huge because like, as I said, I can figure most things out. Like I'm a very, you know, I can't think the right word, but like I can sort most things out. I'm a really great problem solver, like throw me into a crisis, also Gate 36. Like I can figure anything out in a very calm way. Whereas with the second line, people call out things that they see within you. Mm. On the fifth line side, people assume that you can solve a problem for them. So it's Mm. a very different experience with the second line is very much about you. And the fifth line is always about the other person. Mm. And the way it kind of feels as you move through life is people are like, for me, it's like, oh, Rachel will figure that out. Rachel will do that. Rachel will do that. And then you have a choice. You either do it. And it's mm. fine. And they're like, yeah, great. You did it. Or you don't do it or you do it in a way that they didn't want it to be done. And that's when you become kind of like the heretic and everything falls mm-hmm. apart and relationships break down. Um, so really learning for me at the beginning of any sort of like connection or any sort of like interaction of being like, this is what I'm willing to do and this mm-hmm. is what I'm not willing to do not because i don't want to not because i can't do it but because i don't want to do it i'm really mm-hmm. standing strongly in i have the capacity to solve your problem but i'm going to let you solve your own problem this time
1: yeah yeah that makes okay so i i happen to know that at one point you were a teacher is that i think mm-hmm. like that's right okay so how does that experience influence like how you teach now because i know you teach human design i'm sure you teach in other contexts too you taught yoga too right these are things yeah Okay. So tell me like this idea of navigating from my perspective, what you just said with the two line is like, you have a level of mastery that you, it could appear like you didn't earn it. Like you just have it because of the way you're made. And then you're projecting that level of mastery out that you may not even be fully conscious that you have. And then others are kind of placing a demand on that. And then as a line 5 you know, people see you as a person who can be a resource and maybe even relief for them in some way, but you have this responsibility to kind of manage what you're willing to take on or not. So have you seen that show up in your roles as an instructor in these kind of various contexts?
2: Yes. I think teaching for me is one of those second line things. Like it's just something I've always been very good at. Like I'm just, I can just, I can teach anything, <laughs> you know. I said mm-hmm. I always say like I feel like teaching's a skill, and once you can teach, you can teach anything in the world. Right? Um, and I do feel like I've always been called to like teach and kind of lead in that way. Um, and I suppose when you're working with kids, are just the best thing. So like, I didn't experience it like with my kiddos, but I would definitely experience it with like other staff members. And like I mentioned before, it would always be like, "Oh, Rachel will do that, or Rachel will do that, mm-hmm. or Rachel will do that." you know, and I would end up with my plate just being stacked high of things that I never really wanted to do, but I didn't feel like I could say no to doing them. Um, so that was like kind of when I first started teaching. And then once I lived more and became more aware of being a fifth line and how it worked, I would get very clear about my boundaries. So for example, my last like classroom teaching job, I would be like, I do not work past four, 4 PM. Don't send me an email. Don't message me. Don't, I'm mm-hmm. just, I don't work past 4 PM. And if, uh, if books don't get marked, they don't get marked because these are the times that I work. Like I'm mm-hmm. a teacher. I do not get paid enough to be working 24 hours a day. Like mm-hmm. if I want to go home and plan things for my students, I will do that, but I'm not doing the things that you say I have to do because I don't like I'm at the time as well like I was like I wasn't salaried I was like a time employee so I was like I don't get paid for that so I'm not doing it mm-hmm. and I think that can be really difficult because some of the other teachers in the school obviously I was on a different contract were like why is she not doing those things mm-hmm. you know but I was very clear of like I'm not getting paid so I'm not doing it mm-hmm. and I think it causes people sometimes that bit of backlash she was like well why is she not doing it you know right. And I feel like yeah. you have the capacity to also say no. And sometimes I feel like I'm just leading us all in the right direction. Mm. Um, and then outside of that, like in yoga and with coaching and with human design, it's again, it's just very much about boundaries. Like any fifth line needs more boundaries in their life at the beginning of any interaction and being like, this is what we do do in these sessions. This is what I do not offer in these sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, just so people can't say, oh, I thought I was going to get this. Because it's like, we start yeah. with, this is what you get. This is what you don't get. And that's it.
1: Yeah. Do you find that it's important for you as a two and a two five to experience strong boundaries? Like if, you know, in this hypothetical situation, you're working with me. Do you need me to have clear boundaries as two?
2: I mean, I think it's more about mine because it's about mm-hmm. me and my energy and being able to protect it. But I think because I'm so aware of the projections that I receive, like constantly, I very often like invite others into it, and I start ah, everything. Like, will you ha- like, will you help me with this? Like, it's completely okay if you don't want to, but gotcha. do you want to do this? Gotcha. Um, and I feel like part of that sometimes is like a manifesto too. Like looking back on my life, there have been moments where I've just steamrolled other people with my 35, 36, and just taken them on an adventure with me. And then, you know, a couple of months in, they're like, well, we never wanted to do this. And I was always like, well, why didn't you say that? Like, Mm -hmm. at no point did you say that. And again, it would cause breakdowns in relationships and a lot of conflict. So I think, yeah, part of being a fifth line and then having the manifest energy, like I give people outs in life all the time. I'm like, are you sure? Do you want to be in on this? It's okay if you don't, because Mm -hmm. I know how it feels to not feel like you can say no.
1: Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So what part of your human design are you most fascinated with right now?
2: I think the emotional waves will never fail to kind of fascinate me Mm -hmm. Um, because they're just so intricate. And mine is so like, you cannot track my emotional wave. Like it just happens when it happens. I know some people have more of a kind of like a cyclical experience, but yeah, I just think it's fascinating. And I also- Okay, what's
1: yours? Tell us first, like what's your emotional wave?
2: Tell us, like use that two line or something, <laughs> school <us. laughs> So I have a 35, 36, which is the abstract okay. wave uh, on the collective side of the circuitry. Mm-hmm. So my energy really builds slowly to a peak and then it just like bottoms out overnight. Mm-hmm. So I'll wake up one day and I'm just like bottom. <laughs> of mm-hmm. the whatever it is the next day and it's a really it's difficult to navigate because when I'm high I'm like when is this gonna bottom out you know like as long as this nervousness that comes with being high um and I just have to kind of accept when it bottoms out and just be there in that despair and just see you know ride it out until it rate like rises again but I mm-hmm. think my journey through and for everyone with like the abstract collective wave like your journey with expectation and disappointment is going to be huge like figuring out Mm -hmm. how can and this was part of what's really been the journey for me is how can I be excited about the outcome of something but still be fully grounded in the experience however it pans out and learning to balance the excitement and you know not placing any expectations on it is the thing that allows me to manage that disappointment in a way that isn't so like, you know, heartbreaking as it had been in the past.
1: Gotcha. So I have the 3740. So we're both emotional authorities, but I have the um, 3740. And that experience, like, I'm trying to think It, it for me, I think mine feels more like I can feel it building and I can feel like it's coming on and I don't know. I don't know what to tell y'all. It's ratcheting up. <laughs> like right. I'm losing it. I it, I haven't lost it, but it's coming. And I think I can feel the build. And while while you while you describe like these highs of expectations and managing the disappointment, I would say for me, I'm always trying to like don't add to it. Like, don't make it more than it is. Like I'm always trying to keep things from it, like ratcheting it up. And that can look like people pleasing. That can look like mm. mitigating because I'm like, I don't, how can I make this? How can I be in control so that I don't experience the intensity of emotion, including don't get my hopes up too high, right? Like I was just talking to my best friend um, the other day and she's moving closer. And one of the things that she like, aren't you excited? I'm like, I cannot let myself get excited about this. Like anything could happen and you may not be my neighbor. And then what am I going to do? Like, I'm like, I'm just going to be there and -hmm. that's going to feel awful. So I'm I'm not going to let myself go there. And I realized that for me, like, and I say, realize like, it's not past tense. Like this is my present fascination and work is that when I'm trying to mitigate that ratcheting up, I'm also like, I'm also diluting the belief that's needed to create the result that I want. Like I'm forfeiting some of the experience in trying to prevent this kind of future experience. And so it's, um, it's a doozy having emotional waves. And to think that, you know, 50 plus percent of the population has them and how many people are aware that this is what they're often reacting to and trying to negotiate is like, I think it makes our work important.
2: Yeah and I do think like that is a huge part of like what my like greater purpose there is to like Mm -hmm. share is that like emotional awareness and just honoring that emotional experience because if you're an emotional authority like you are your emotions like you cannot separate them you're not like I'm a person and then sometimes I feel like you feel your way through the world and you have Mm -hmm. to be able to give yourself the time and the space and the grace to do that and to be able to be really excited one day. And I love that you shared that trying to like control the excitement because like on my journey to try and figure out how I live in this world as an emotional being, I did the same. I was like, I can no longer deal with this disappointment. And therefore I'm not going to get excited about anything. And then, you know, lo and behold, that was a really boring life. So I was like, well, okay, that, (laughs) that doesn't work either So that's where I'm at a place where now it's like, I allow myself to get excited, but still fully commit to the journey, whatever it may be. And I'm, I'm generally the first one in a group to laugh at how hilariously wrong things can go in life. And I'm always like, isn't this funny? Isn't this going to be a great story? Like really soon once we've dealt with it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think that is, do you think that some of that gate 36? Like the ability to kind of navigate it sometimes through humor, sometimes through just calm. Yeah. I have yeah. that in my conscious Mercury. So I, I can identify with this kind of like, well, if we're in an emergency room, you probably want my personality around because I can ride.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's my it's my conscious moon. So like it's oh, really cool. Like I'm driven through life by, you know, creating crises. Wherever I go, nice. you know, like looking back on my childhood, like everything was a crisis, like putting my <laughs> shoes on, like getting dressed, eating breakfast, <laughs> brushing my teeth. Like I would have 400 crises a day. And like as an adult, like I still have a good few crises like every week. Yeah. But yeah, it's like I am I can navigate any crisis because I'm like, I do this every day. It's yeah, no big this deal. It's just life. This is my norm. Yeah. That's yeah, hilarious. This is my norm. <laughs> this
1: is hilarious. So I think that's actually a really good segue to. Your love letters, which we talked about talking about on this podcast episode, but I actually had stumbled upon them a while ago and I thought that they were, I'll have you describe them, but before you do, I want to say that there's a, I'm interested to hear how you describe them because there's a part of me that thinks what you are putting in writing is what I hope for people to experience when they, you know, do a session with me or, or experience, you know. A reading of sorts. I don't really call mine readings, but a reading of sorts with me. And so I'm I'm just feel free to like gush over it because there's a part of me that like just wants to know, do we feel the same way about it?
2: Yeah, I can imagine we do. So I write what I call a love letter from your human design. Mm -hmm. So it is like a thousand-word affirmation about everything that's beautiful about you, about your chart, about your channels, your centers, your profile. And I really weave all of those things together so every single love letter that I write is individual there's no like copy and pasting like this two four and a generator and emotional authority like everything is woven together just for you and I love being able to pick out the beauty but also the places where there might be tension in your charts as well and really giving permission to people to say it is okay to take your time to make decisions like you don't have anything to prove here just because you feel like you should move doesn't mean that you have to You know, Mm -hmm. spend the time deep diving into things that feel good for you, but also like for first lines, you're never going to be the expert. So don't wait for that moment before you share all the beauty that you have within you. Um, And I just love being able to take all of those pieces of, of someone's chart and weave them together into this just like really inspiring and beautiful story of who they are and who they were born to be and give them that permission that they can read every day that they are perfectly designed. Mm,
1: I love that. I love that. And that is exactly how I feel about you know, what I call immersion sessions, where we get together and I just immerse myself in your design and we talk through things and I volley back and forth. And that's very, very much true to how I think about human design. And anyways, the point is, I love that that is the, the heart behind that. And We'll have the links for people to be able to purchase that. And and I will say, like, I don't, she didn't tell me to say this. So she may or may not love that I'm about to say this. I guess she'll send me in the comments. If, if we're hashing it out in the comments, it's because she doesn't like what I'm about to say. <laughs> I think that the price point she selected is radically kind for the amount of work that it requires to not just like collate information and put it into a reading, but to phrase the things and say the things in a way that reads like a letter is it requires a level of mastery that I, I don't think is often, um, it's hard to quantify. It's like if, some, if two people said they're woodworkers, unless you really know woodworking, it's hard to sometimes see the artisanship in a craft. And I will say, what she is producing regardless of what it says just the ability to give you a thousand words on your design without showing you pictures charts and a glossary is a level of artisanship that makes her price point radically kind so if you I would just say
2: like welcome to the life of being a second line with a completely open heart okay (laughs)
1: yes it is it is a form of activism the price point that she's making this available. Um, Because I, yeah, it's just not easy. Let me just say it like this. It's not easy to take human design and make it so conversational. And on top of that, to make it a one-sided conversation. And that is, that's, that takes skill. So I would recommend that if you would like to know more about your design, that you invest in something like this For two reasons, and again, she didn't ask me to say this, but I'm—I've decided I'm doing what I want to do. Welcome to my episode, manifest alive. (laughs) She has no idea. Okay, so the reason why I'm telling you to to consider investing in this or to prioritize this would be a better way to say that is for two reasons. Number one, many of the people who are new to human design are going to go ask for a reading, and the readings are going to give you the technical or should be giving you more technical language typically, and that will send you to more research and that will send you to more pursuits. And then you'll need a certification, or then you'll want a reading, or then you'll want a course. And what you have unknowingly skipped is your own love affair with your own design, which is the precursor to being able to do anything with all of this information. It's... It's where so many of us find ourselves now, which is we've, we've kind of become obsessed or loved all of this human design. And now we're having to decide, but actually what about it do I love? Where do I want to use this in my life? So a, a resource like this is incredibly valuable, if, especially if you haven't had a design, because we've, it, it reads like she has stripped away any parts of it that would make it feel like something to learn and instead written it like someone to know. And if you like the person that you read about, then go do some research on how she was able to put that together. But to to make it read so seamlessly, please do not underestimate the the, the level of study that it requires to produce that many words. So that is my suggestion from my defined ego for why
2: this is valuable and should be a priority. Yeah, all open hearts need to find egos in their lives, (laughs) you know, make us some money and get some things done. (laughs) So
1: please, please. Yes. Um, Also, the other place that I would say that you should consider, some of you are entrepreneurs because I know I'm starting to attract more entrepreneurs because I deal with offer creation and value creation, um, is this might be a very good resource for your client. Some of you are telling yourselves you want to become readers and you really don't want to become a reader. What you want is for your client to know their human design. And that is very different. And it's also cheaper, radically cheaper because she's being radically kind at the price point. So make it so that she needs to raise her prices by flooding her inbox with prices or purchases because it's a very kind gift to give the clients who are human design friendly um, without you needing to go out and become a reader or get a certification or pretend like you have one or pretend like you've studied. Like we don't have to do all that. There are people offering really great gifts particularly in the coaching space because that's where I hang out all right okay Rachel I know thank you for entertaining or humoring me for a few minutes um I loved it oh good there you go (laughs) Um, is there anything else that we need to cover? I really, I feel like we got a really good picture of some of your brilliance. And I think it's really valuable that you shared the two, five experience. Cause like I said, that one is the one as a one, three, that feels pretty distant from how I interpret the world. So
2: yeah. Yeah. I I think just like, I don't think you missed anything, but I just think what you said is really important. Like in order to share this work like you truly have to live it and like breathe it like this has to be something that like you see yourself through every day and it is only by living your experiment and by watching others experiments that you can get to a level of mastery that is helpful but also like supportive and inspiring like I feel anyone can learn the basics of a chart and share it but if you are sharing the system like are you doing it with passion like are you doing it to move people forward and are you doing it with like real huge, like real life experiences of your chart and of other people's charts so you're doing it in a way that is going to change people's lives like for the better in a way that they're always in charge too
1: yeah i i love that priority for sovereignty because i think sometimes there's an there's an unintended power struggle when you have kind of a wealth of knowledge and the other person doesn't it it gives you a it can give you an upper hand if you are not actively kind of prioritizing that person's power. And so sometimes that's compromised when you don't have a depth of knowledge of information or you don't have an expansive understanding of the information which is again the same plug I made before. Go get a love letter And see if you identify with how you are being written to. Because if you do, if it feels like it resonates, and yet when you look at human design, there feels like there's a disparity, that's a really good opportunity to say, maybe there's, I'm either learning from somebody who isn't supportive of the way that I learn or the way that I understand, or there's just more for me to learn. There's just more context that's needed. So I love that you make this available. I love that I get to refer people to it because i think it's very um i think it's just very needed and it's very useful um, particularly as human design continues to you know get more popular so
2: Mm
1: -hmm. super cool thank you for coming yeah
2: thanks for having me it was great you're welcome all right so
0: y'all heard it links in the show notes y'all know what what it is i'll talk to y'all later bye bye thank you so much for listening to this episode of the hunting for purpose podcast I hope that my words, my sharing, and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life.